Hey, this is John, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So if you have your Bible, we're going to open to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23. If you don't have it, uh, there's going to be the verses on the screen. So I'm going to read the word of God. Let it rest over our hearts as we prepare uh, for what is going to happen later. So verse 23 says, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. This next verse, we're going to be spending a lot of time in it tonight. So let this sit in our hearts. Verse 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, what's up? What's up, everybody? How's everybody feeling tonight? Good, good. Good to see y'all. My name is Kevin. Uh, I serve here at Mosaic as our pastor of biblical formation. Uh, I get to oversee our classes that happen during the week. Uh, I oversee things like membership, our deacon ministry, lots of fun, uh, cool stuff uh, to help facilitate the church being what it's supposed to be. Uh, I do so alongside Kelly Taylor. Raise your hand right there. Kelly Taylor's our uh, direct uh, women's formation. Uh, awesome, my partner in crime. Uh, and so love serving here uh, at Mosaic. Um, and before I jump in, I need y'all's help with something. I had um, someone uh, like tried to add me on social media and I, and I have their picture that I'm gonna show you in just a second, but I, I, I'm sure that I've seen them here at Young Adults, but I can't like put my finger on who they are. So I need your help to uh, identify who this person is. So you, you put up this picture for me. Do you guys recognize who that might be? Like, I'm like looking, I'm like, I know this dude from somewhere, but I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> Yes, uh, okay, I'm sorry. I had to do it, I had to do it. Uh, man, I, I'll be like working at my desk a lot. I just like writing up like, man, I was just like thinking of just biblically solid emails and stuff. I'm like in the zone. And this man's desk is right next to me. And he'll come over and like, Kelly sees us all the time. He'll be like, goochie, goochie, goochie. And he like tickles me all the time. And, I like, and I'm super ticklish. And so I just got to do it, bro. Um, hey, let's, uh, let's pray uh, before we jump into this passage. Man, I'm just like, as he's talking about like remembering a truth, man. I think that this passage gifts all of us with a truth that leads us to respond with fresh praise. Um, and I think this is a doctrine that we're going to consider tonight that maybe you have it 
thought intentionally about before. Maybe you have, um, but if you haven't, man, so much goodness uh, tonight. Before I pray, I felt led before I came up here um, just to ask the room if you would like to acknowledge by just raising your hand because uh, I just want your face to be hidden in my heart as I preach tonight. If you would say, hey, Kevin, I just want to acknowledge tonight, either one, I had a bad day today. I'm coming in tired, not really feeling like being here. Or I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm in a difficult season. I'm in a heavy season. Would you raise your hand right now? Just being honest. Okay. Keep your hands up. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the kind of God that you are. Not just that you are God, but the kind of God that you are. God, who is like you? There is none like you in the heavens or the earth. You are holy. You are transcendent. You are eternal. You are without beginning or end. You are self-sufficient. God, you are high and lifted up. God, you are worthy. God, you are loving. You are kind. God, you are merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness forgiving a thousand generations. God, who is like you? That you would be mindful of us, that you would draw near to us, that we would be able to talk about Jesus here tonight. God, thank you. And we ask God that you would find it pleasing to yourself to reveal more of yourself to our hearts tonight. And I lift up those who just lifted their hands. God, you see them. And your invitation to them tonight is to come to me, all who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. You have not just invited them to come to church. You've invited them to yourself. God, may we not, may we not just come to church tonight, but may we come to you. So God, may your word find good soil in our hearts, bear much fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! All right, let's jump in. So every December, uh, my family uh, watches a, a number of movies uh, through the Christmas season. And they're movies that we're not allowed to watch in my home until the Christmas season uh, comes. And so one of those movies that we like to watch every Christmas season is the Home Alone uh, series. Number one and number two. Number three is all right, but number one and number two. So you can show a picture of my man, Macaulay Culkin. Uh, I resonate with him because his name is Kevin. And so my whole life, my name's Kevin, my whole life. Like people have made that joke my whole life. So I just really resonate with my boy, uh, Kevin here. And so, but this past December, I, I find myself, maybe it's my age, maybe you do it too, but I'm watching the movie and I'm like, man, like, where is Macaulay Culkin now? Like, what's he up to? What, what, what's, what's he doing? Is he like married? Is he like, you know, is he doing like, I know some people that were like young kid, uh, the stars are like crackheads and stuff now. And so like, what's, what's he up to? And so I like, we'll go and Google, like what's Macaulay Culkin up to now? And he's, he's doing all right now. And he had a rough season, but he's doing pretty good. But it's like, that question comes to me more and more often now when I watch things that I watched when I was a kid, I'll be watching, I'll be like, 
yo, where are they now? What are they up to? And so I'll Google, anybody else do that while you're watching something? Like Google, like, what are they up to now? Like I have a few examples, like uh, my girl Lizzie McGuire. Anybody watch Lizzie McGuire when you were little, right? So my wife actually was watching the Lizzie McGuire movie last night and I was like, yo, I have no idea what she's up to now. Like I could picture her this, but I can't picture her as, She's probably like 40 now. I don't even, I don't even know. Um, or Amanda Bynes. Anybody like remember Amanda Bynes? Uh, I actually looked it up today. Like, man, pray for her. Uh, uh, next, uh, uh, Spy Kids. Spy Kids, right? Bro, like, I, don't even, I, I don't know what, who's seen the Spy Kids. Like they did, they did like three of them and now they're just like gone. Um, and so like, what are they up to? Uh, let's see what else we got. Sandlot Kids, like, what are the Sandlot kids up to? If you've seen the Sandlot, what are they up to? Fun, fun facts, the city that I'm from, the, this, this kid right here opened up the pizza restaurant in the city that I lived in Tampa. So no, that's where he's at. Uh, and then Mary-Kate and Ashley, you know, what are they up to? I know that they're like fashion designers and stuff. They look a lot different now, but man, so cute right there, man. Uh, and then last one, uh, Drake from Drake and Josh. I know Josh is in some... Wherever he's, he, you know what he's up to now, but Drake and Josh, I know Josh been in some movies, but Drake, uh, where, where's Drake been at, right? So there are all these things, these iconic shows that we watched uh, back in the day. And it's like, then they fell off the face of the earth. Like, what are they doing? What are they up to now? Okay, like Kevin, what does this have to do with Hebrews 7 and, and priests and, and all that? So stay with me. Here's the question that we're gonna consider tonight. What is Jesus up to right now, as you sit in your chair in the season that you're in, what is Jesus doing right now? And that's a good question for us to ask because in church, as we should, we look back on what Jesus did for us. We look at the gospels, we look at what he taught and what he said, and we celebrate his death, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the father. We look at past historical events all the time. Or we might look to the future, what Jesus is going to do how much of us actually know right now and celebrate right now with praise in our lips what Jesus is doing right now? And here's why this matters to ask this question here tonight is because we're walking through a series on prayer. We're talking about what it means to pray with childlike faith, confidently to walk in the way that God has invited us to pray. So we're gonna ask these two questions. What is Jesus up to today? And what does that have to do with prayer. And when we leave tonight, I hope that we walk not just answering those questions, but that we walk away full of confidence in our prayer lives because we know in our hearts what Jesus is up to today. Here's my main idea. Here's where we're going tonight. You can pray confidently today to God today because of what Jesus is continually doing for you today. You can pray confidently to God today because of what Jesus is continually doing for you today. And we're gonna unpack what he's doing for you right now as we speak, if you are in him. So let's jump in. Now I'm gonna spend my time unpacking verse 25 uh, and it would be helpful to frame this verse in what book we're in because we're not just like reading like a bunch of separated sayings. Like we were reading a text that's in a whole letter that was written to a group of people. And so if you've been with us on Sundays, you have a little bit of a heads up on what Hebrews is about. It's a letter written to Jewish Christians who are really familiar with the Old Testament, who are being persecuted and now they're tempted to go back to their former ways because it's easier and it's what they're familiar with. It's what makes sense to them. And they're asking themselves, is Jesus worth it? 
losing my family, losing my possessions? Is it worth running this race with endurance that's set before me? And what the author is writing is, yes, Jesus is worthy of it all. He is greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than uh, all the, the old covenant. He is greater than all the former priests. He is greater than fill in the blank. And so in Hebrews chapter five, he begins talking about the old priests in the Old Testament. A priest would rise up, then he would die. A new priest would rise up. And so what the author is saying is Jesus is our greater high priest. And then in chapter six, he's gonna like talk about some things that this particular audience is struggling with. And then in chapter seven, he's gonna come back to this idea of priests. So let's talk about why this matters. Because many of you, when you think priest, you think like rocking all black, got the little like white thing right here. You know what I'm saying? Like confessional. Um, but that's not what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about priests. Okay. So let's, let's, let's land here. This is why this matters to you. We all need a priest. You need a priest. And not just that we all need a priest, but in fact, we all feel and long for a priest. Everyone in this room, if you have a pulse, you feel a longing for a priest. Like Kevin, like I'm all week, you know what I'm saying? I've been going about my, I haven't thought about a priest one time. What are you talking about? Let's unpack what I mean by that. So what is a priest? A priest is someone who mediates between humanity and God. It's a representative between humanity and God. It's the go-between person. Because here's the background of the reality of the world is that the nature of God is that he is holy, he is pure, he is blameless, he is without stain. And our nature is sinful. Our nature is bent towards evil. Like, I'm not gonna spend too much on unpacking it, but if I could just like take your thoughts, like your thoughts that you have thought in the past week out of your head and I could put them on this screen and we could watch what you've thought this week. Everybody in this room would run out in complete shame. Why? Because we are bent on evil. There's this separation between us and God because of his nature and because of our nature. And so what we need is a go-between, a representative to bring us back together with where we don't deserve to be. And not only do we need a priest, but we feel our need for a priest. And here's where we see this. This can be seen in our desire to prove ourselves and perform. See, what a priest does is a priest is a means of validation, a means of approval. That you go through the priest to win the approval of whoever is before you. And there is a deep longing in everyone in here to be validated, to be approved of. And everyone in here seeks some kind of means for that approval. We may replace God. It may not be God's approval, but it's the approval of someone. You long to be looked at and invited in and loved and liked. Your greatest fear is rejection, is loneliness. All right, just one example, social media, right? I mean, social media has lots of good things, but social media is a kind of priest. It's a, it's a go-between. It's a means of 
putting yourself out there and welcoming validation and approval. There's a priestly element to something that we all turn to to find validation and approval. And whatever that is for you is your functional priest. Everyone in this room has a functional priest, a means of seeking validation. And here's the good news. In our longing for a priest and feeling our need for validation and our wanting of a priest, we have one tonight. We have good news tonight that there is a priest who has won the approval that your heart was made for and longs for. His name is Jesus. And I'm gonna lift him up tonight and show that he is the greater high priest that you and I were made for and long for. You long for, whether you realize it or not, Jesus. Jesus is who you were made for. And that's what the author is holding up. Now, chapter seven as a whole, uh, I could jump into like, man, like the beginning of chapter seven, he's talking about Melchizedek and this is what this means. Everyone in this room would probably walk out like, like too much, right? And so if you have questions about Melchizedek and you wanna talk about the Old Testament and Genesis 14 and all that, and what does this mean? Man, I love my Bible formation. That's my, that's my job. I love to sit and just talk doctrine and the Bible. Let's chop it up after this. But we're gonna focus on verse 25 because all that it's build, building up to is, hey, this is what he's saying. Jesus is the true greater high priest. And then ver, verse 25 is this anchor hinge verse that everything points to. And so we're gonna to focus together on verse 25 and how that affects our prayer life. So there's three things that we can pull out of verse 25 that I think sets a ground for what is Jesus doing today? So first thing is this in verse 25, Jesus is able. Jesus is able, verse 25. Consequently, because he's a permanent priest that lives forever. Now, consequently, he is able. He is able. You know, me and you, we all, all the time face insurmountable odds. We face things that make us ask ourselves, man, can I, can I really do this? Like actually just before this coming up here, I was walking through the lobby and my man Caesar was like, yo, bro, how you feeling? I was like, bro, I'm, I'm tired, bro. And uh, just like asking myself, man, can I really do this? Like I got up, I was dumb decision, got up at 4.30 this morning to play basketball this morning. I'm tired. My body is feeling it. My body's upset right now. And uh, I was like, yo, can I do this? My man Caesar prayed for me. He's a Christian. And uh, it was really awesome. But man, all of us all the time face things that are like, yo, can I do this? Can I get through this? Am I able? Listen to me, not so with Jesus. There is no insurmountable odds that Jesus faces where he asks himself, am I able? This is what the author gets at uh, later on in verse 26, lifting him up. He is holy, meaning he is completely in a category of his own. He is set apart. There is none like him. And it's not even just like he's like completely different, but if I had a diamond, right? That was like one of a kind, right? Super rare, exceedingly rare. It's not only rare, but it's what? It is super valuable because it's the only one of its kind. And so because it's exceedingly rare and in a category of its own, it's infinitely valuable. And that's what Jesus is, is holy. He is exceedingly rare. There's none like him. And he is therefore infinitely valuable. 
He is holy. He is innocent. There is no accusation that can stand before King Jesus. He has never failed, not one time. His words are true. He is innocent. He is unstained. He is separated from sinners. He stands in a category of his own and he is exalted above the heavens. Where does Jesus dwell? Yes, like in the heavens. But listen, Jesus has to stoop down to enter the heavens. The heavens are below him. He is high and lifted up. The heavens are not on his level. He has to step down, way, way, way down to enter the heavens. He is exalted above the heavens. Jesus is able. But what is he able to do in this verse? He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Listen, Jesus is able to save you and me completely. Jesus is able to save you and me completely. This is the entire story of the Bible. The entire story of the Bible is God rescuing sinners, God pursuing and coming after sinners. When we least deserved it, when we failed him time and time again, he kept coming after us. The Bible is a story of salvation. Jesus came to save. How? The Bible says, to the uttermost. This word uttermost it has two kind of uh, visuals to it, or two concepts uh, to it. One is quantitative, that he is able to save eternally, forever. When he saves someone, he is able to hold on to them forever. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6. He will not fail in holding on to you forever. But there's also a qualitative sense, not just a quantitative sense. To the uttermost can mean fullness or completeness or exhaustive wholeness. He is able to save all of you. Those uttermost places in you, those dark places in you are what his grace is after. Those places that no one, those places that no one else knows about are the places where he loves you most. He knows you best and loves you most. And his grace is after all of those places. Jesus is able to save you to the uttermost. But who is saved? Who experiences this uttermost saving? It says, to those who draw near to God through Jesus. Listen, there is no place for coming to God in some general sense or even with sincerity. Jesus stands exclusively as the only one through whom we can come before God the Father. Jesus says in John 14, 6, he didn't say, I am a way, I am a truth, a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life, exclusive. There is no other way. There's no other way, but through Jesus. And if you're trying to make yourself right with God or trying to manipulate God's favor or trying to work your way to get God to love you any other way, listen, life is not going to go very well for you. If you're trying to save yourself, it's a heavy way to live. Jesus alone is the way. Just a little bit of an illustration to help 
understand this concept. So uh, I used to live in Atlanta before I uh, lived here a year and a half ago. And uh, there'd be times where I went to watch the Braves games. So you put up the baseball stadium. Uh, so I get to go watch, watch the Atlanta Hawks and you know the Atlanta Braves and stuff. And so uh, when I would go to an Atlanta Braves game, like I, as a fan, could only go certain places. You know what I'm saying? I could go like through the ticket booth and I would have to go to my seat and I can go get some food and stuff. But there were lots of other places that were, I couldn't go because I'm just a fan. But at my church that I was at, where I was a, I was a student pastor at the time, uh, our discipleship pastor, basically the guy who was in my role, uh, was named Jay McSwain. His name is Jay McSwain. He wasn't just our discipleship pastor, uh, but he was also the Atlanta Braves chaplain. And so uh, he would always invite us staff to come with him to games. And when I went with Jay to uh, the Truist Park, uh, it was a very different experience because when I went with Jay or any of us on staff went with Jay, he would give us a badge and he would always say, stay with me. And being with Jay, it was a very different experience than coming as a fan or coming with anyone else. Because when I was with Jay, I could go through all the places that other fans couldn't go. I would get to go, get to go into uh, locker rooms. I would get to go up into like where the commentators are commentating on the game. Like there was no space that was off limits to us. And as we walked throughout all of Truist Park, what Jay would say to everyone in the room as we were uh, come near people is Jay would say this, he's with me. He's with me. When I walked into a space that no one else could go, I wasn't like, yo, what's up? Like, I'm a pastor. I'm like, man, I'm like kind of good at baseball. Like I didn't lift up any qualifications that made me worthy of being in that room. My only ground for standing in that space where no one else could go is he's with me. My only qualification in those forbidden places was he's with me. And that's what Jesus does for us before the throne of God. The throne of God is a forbidden place for everyone unless Jesus looks at you and says, there with me. Yes, brother, there with me. She's with me. He's with me. There's no qualifications that you can come before the throne of God. It's like, all right, God, kill it today. Memorize this amount of verses. You know, say, pray this much. Stay away from this much sin. I'm worthy. I can actually pray now. No, no qualifications, whether bad or good. Your only ground before the throne is through Jesus. There with me. This is what Jesus came to accomplish for you and for me. And Jesus intends to save you, guys, listen, to the uttermost, all of you forever. And how do we know that Jesus intends to save you to the uttermost? It says, since, God, draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus always lives to intercede for you. It's my third truth. Jesus always lives to intercede for you. Now, what is intercession? It'd be helpful um, to uh, put intercession uh, against the word accusation, right? So when you have uh, an intercessor or accuser, an intercessor is someone who goes and speaks um, like on behalf, of, on behalf of you in a good way. They speak you up, they talk you up. An accuser uh, is coming before you to speak bad on your behalf. So intercession would look like, I don't know, if any dude came in here to me, you'd be like, hey, yo, okay, Kev, man, there's like this girl over there. I saw the way she was worshiping, bro. Like, can you go talk to her for me? And I'm like, yeah, bro, like, yeah, cool. And I go to her and I say, hey, bro, like, there's, this, there's this dude over here. Like, he sees you like worshiping and stuff. And he loves Jesus and he's, probably, he's got some muscles and stuff. Like, you should look over at him. What I'm, what I'm doing is I'm interceding 
for my, for my bro, for my, for my guy over here, right? I'm, inter- I'm talking him up to her. That's what intercession is. Intercession is as I speak on behalf of the person to bring the other two together. That's what Jesus is doing for you guys. Listen, this is what he's doing right now for you. Listen, right now, this is what, I, like when my man Caesar was like inviting us, like lift up a truth, dwell on a truth that leads you to praise. It's Jesus, let's listen to this, own this right now. Jesus is talking to the Father right now with your name. Jesus right now is talking about you to his dad. You just let that sink in for a second. You own that. Jesus, the King of the heavens and the earth, he knows your name and he loves to speak your name to his father. You get that? Last time you failed, when you were sinning, Jesus was interceding for you with your name. This is Jesus's heart. I'm gonna quote a few times from my, he's not my dude, but I wish he was. Um, This guy named Dane Orland wrote this book called Gentle and Lowly. Man, if you invest in your faith over the next couple of months with a book, I highly encourage you to read this book, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland. He says this, think of it this way. Christ's heart is a steady reality flowing through time. It isn't as if his heart throbbed for his people when he was here on earth, but it's dissipated now that he is in heaven. It's not that his heart was flowing forth in a burst of mercy that took him all the way to the cross, but has now cooled down, settling back once more into a kindly indifference. His heart is as drawn to his people now as ever it was in his incarnate state. And the present manifestation of his heart for his people is his constant interceding on their behalf. Guys, listen, yes, Jesus accomplished much as a historical event that we should look back on, that we should trust in and celebrate and sing about. There are things that Jesus is going to do that we should look forward to and celebrate. Guys, listen, right now, there is a present reality right now that we can lift God up about, that we can respond and praise about. Jesus is interceding for you right now. He's not accusing you. He's talking you up before his father. Now there's attention here, a question that I asked, I was like, why does Jesus have to intercede for me? Like, why does Jesus have to talk me up before the father? You know what I'm saying? Like if I, if I go to that girl and I'm like, I have to get her to like the dude, you know what I'm saying? Like, does Jesus have to get the father to, to love us? Is the father indifferent towards us that Jesus has to continue to remind, hey, like you should keep loving them. I know they're a little rough. You know what I'm saying? I know they keep like messing up, but keep going. You can love them. They'll, they'll get there. Like, what is, why does Jesus have to intercede for us? Dane Ortlund uh, goes on to say this. The son's intercession does not reflect the coolness of the father, but the sheer warmth of the son. Christ does not intercede because the father's heart is tepid, meaning lukewarm toward us, but because the son's heart is so full toward us. But the father's own deepest delight is to say yes to the son's pleading on our behalf. 
I'm telling you, like, you gotta read this book. It's so good. Listen, this is, this is like a, a little visual of what I think this is like. Uh, have you guys ever been to like any kind of pro sports game? Maybe like half the room. Okay, so if you go to a pro, pro sports game uh, and it, it's like a lot of people there and you're cheering for your team and whatnot, it's like lots of loudness and cheering and cheering your team on. And when it comes towards the end of the game, like one of two things usually happens if you go to a pro game, right? So uh, there comes a time where the team like you're cheering for definitely is lost. The game is basically over. There's still a few minutes left, but then they're too far behind. And if you've been to a pro sports game where it's like over, they're defeated, what happens? Everyone starts bouncing, right? I'm usually like, I pay like some good money for my say, I ain't going over, but everyone's like going, they're trying to get out of the parking lot, trying to get out of there. Everyone's like leaving because the game's over. Cheering is done. The, the stadium's pretty quiet. Like it's like this dead feeling. But listen, if your team is even 20, like just like killing it, like they're bound to win. No one's leaving. Everyone continues to cheer. There's this excitement. There's a celebration. There's this continual talk uh, to or, uh, one another about what's going on. There's this enjoyment about what's going on. Guys, listen, that is what Jesus is doing. He has not stopped cheering. He has not stopped talking to his father about you. He hasn't left the game. Do you know why? Because you're not defeated. It's not over. He's talking to his dad because he knows that victory is still yours in him. He's still praying because you belong to him and he intends to save you to the uttermost. He's not leaving the game. In fact, he's loudly cheering you on before his dad. Jesus is praying for you, talking about you right now. A little bit more from Dane Orland and I'll close. Jesus' posture right now as he is in heaven, his disposition, his deepest desire is to pour out his heart on our behalf before his father. The intercession of Christ is his heart connecting our heart to the father's heart. And he goes on to say this, if you are in Christ, you have an intercessor, a present day right now, guys, mediator, one who is happily celebrating with his father, the abundant reason for both to embrace you into their deepest heart. Guys, listen to this. Our sinning goes to the uttermost, but his saving grace goes to the uttermost. And his saving always, 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 always outpaces and overwhelms our sinning because he always lives to intercede for us. Amen, Dane Orland. So good. His saving will always outpace your sinning. And therefore he keeps interceding. So what does this have to do with prayer? All right, Kevin, like, I know Jesus is praying, but what does this have to do with my praying? Just two quick things as to how this relates to prayer. First is this, even when Jesus, I'm sorry, even when you're not praying, Jesus is. Even when you're not praying, Jesus is. I thought about this and I was like, well, man, like, well, cool. Like Jesus is praying even when I'm not. So why, like, why should I like pray confidently and a lot? Like Jesus got it. You know what I'm saying? Why not just let him pray? He's got it. But as I meditated on this truth more and more, I realized that man, like Jesus is praying for me doesn't waver with my lack of prayer. You hear me? Jesus is not frustrated, upset, talking less because you don't pray as much. His praying for you, his interceding for you is unwavering. His praying for you 
is not dependent on your praying. It is your praying that is to be dependent on his praying. That you can know that, man, if he's praying, even when I'm not, even when I fail to pray today, I have hope that I can go before the Father knowing that I have victory in Christ because Jesus is still praying for me. I can come because Jesus is still talking about me. He's still interceding for me. Even when I'm not praying, Jesus is. And that is hope for us to keep praying confidently. And lastly, this. Ooh, this is good. This is crazy. This is crazy. Listen to this. Because of Jesus, your prayers are just as welcome to the Father as Jesus' prayers. Yo, that's crazy. Like, well, why? Because of what Jesus has accomplished, because he represents you because God looks at, you, looks at you through the lens of the perfection, the holiness, the, the unsaneness of Jesus. Your prayers are always just as welcome to the heart of the Father as Jesus's. What more confident ground do we have to pray, to talk to God? that my prayers matter just as much to the father as his sons because I am his son or you are his daughter. Closing illustration and then I'm done. Last week, this is a concept that Tim Keller helped me understand and I'll give you like a visual that unpacks it. So last week, um, my whole family got the flu, right? So my wife, my two boys got the flu and I basically became like laid aside pastor, became nurse basically for my, for my uh, family. Now I did this when I was a kid and I was like, now I feel like it's like coming to me. They're like my, my boys, when they would be like just fevers and in the middle of the night sick and coughing and whatnot. Uh, my wife is in bed. I'm sleeping on the couch because I don't want to get what she got and they're in there. And so, but my kids know that like, man, I can wake up in the middle of the night and I can go ask my dad for anything. So like I'm sleeping on the couch. It's like 3 a.m. It's dark, right? You know what I'm saying? And mo like a couple of nights, I like feel something near me. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, what is that? And bro, I like open up my eyes, bro. My, my boys are just like, one of them, one at a time is just like staring at me. And so I wake up. Bro, like y'all have kids one day, man. It's like the scariest feeling. It's like, what? what are you doing, bro? But listen, listen, listen. They're the only ones who can do that. They know that when they wake up and they're, they're not feeling good and they're sick, I can go to my dad. I can go wake him up in the middle of the night. You can't. <laughs> if you showed up at my bedside while I'm asleep in the middle of the dark, I'm gonna call the police on you. You're gone. But listen, my sons can. My sons can shake me and it's my joy to wake up out of my sleep and serve my boys. And they mess up all day. There is nothing in me that like, man, it's like, Yo, you did great today, so I wanna get up. The only reason why I get up is because they belong to me and they're my children. Listen to me, you have that kind of access. You have that kind of access tonight if you are in Jesus. So I, I don't know everyone in this room. I know a good bit of you, but I don't know everyone in this room. I don't know what you've done, but I know who Jesus is and I know what he's done and I know what he's doing right now for us. I just wanna ask you, who is your functional priest? 
What's your means of validation today? My invitation, if you don't know Jesus and you never turn to him, turn to Jesus. He is a great high priest. He always lives to intercede for you. Facebook will die. TikTok will die. School, praise God, will die. All all of these means will die. But Jesus always lives to intercede for you. Turn to Jesus. And if you're a Christian, listen to me. Turn to Jesus today. Remember why God loves you. It isn't because of your good day or your bad day. It's because through Jesus, you belong to him. Therefore, confidently pray. So let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for these realities that we've unpacked together tonight. Yeah, I pray that we would not just be like, hmm, that's, that's interesting. Or like, man, I took good notes tonight. Or man, that was, that was encouraging. Man, God, wreck our hearts. Change us by your spirit. God, take what's familiar to us and open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word again. God, restore to us the joy of our salvation. And God, we just we quiet ourselves. We'd be still now to know that you are God. And we remember right now that Jesus is talking to you about us. We hear Jesus together saying, He's with me. She's with me. Oh God, thank you for what you have done for us through Jesus. We say with Peter in John chapter six, where else can we go? He alone holds the words of eternal life. So God, here we stand in Christ, in Jesus, confidently with assurance. And we say in response to who you are and what you've done for us, we love you. Oh, we love you. And we wanna love you more. God, teach us to pray confidently. Thank you for the intercession of Christ, for what he's doing right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.